don't worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. We invite you to look with us to begin with in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4, then verses 10 to 20. Again, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4, then 10 to 20. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Verses 1 through 4, Ephesians chapter 6. Then Ephesians chapter 6, uh, beginning at verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And for me, too. Ask God, ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Verses 10 through 20, Ephesians chapter 6. Thank you, Lord, again for your word. Thank you for the truth that your word is the sword of the Spirit. Your word is you. And thank you, Lord, for the fact that we have the privilege of spending as much time as we will in your word. Thank you, Lord, for being a heavenly Father that will spend as much time in your word as you'll spend as much time with us as we will spend with you. With every passing day, more and more, help us to fall more in love with you and your word and empower us to become much more faithful hearers and doers of your word and anoint us all afresh with the spirit of prayer, praise, worship, and thanksgiving. Empower us to be a people to live a lifestyle of praying, worshiping, praising, and seeking you. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our producer is Isaac Jackson. Isaac is going to lead us in a word of prayer this time. Hey, Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for Pastor Joseph and for AFR. Father, I ask that you would speak through Pastor Joseph today, that you'd speak through scriptures. Father, um, 
You are so true. You are so true to your word. Whatever the Bible says about you represents you perfectly. And thank you, God, so much for never changing and never uh, being different or never straying from who you say that you are. Thank you so much for being full love. And Father, I ask that uh, you would just move in us today in these moments. In your holy name, amen. 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 Thank you, Isaac. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family here on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening to the Hour of Intercession. Some of our goals through this broadcast are to help empower you to become a prayer warrior, someone who takes prayer very seriously in the kingdom of God, and and that you're one who makes it by the grace of God. You're seeking to make it the priority. God is calling us as the church to make it. You know, in the Word of God, it lets us know that The church is to be referred to as the house of prayer. We're called to be a people given to prayer. And we want to continue to remind and encourage you, please do make it a goal to pray Psalm 91 every day for yourself and your family again. Because remember, in this dangerous, crazy world, no one can protect us like the Lord can. So let's take a moment now to pray that prayer. Lord, thank you for those we've lifted up in prayer today. Thank you for all of those that make up our listening family today. Lord, today we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and so we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Today we say of the Lord, you are our refuge and our fortress. Our God, in you do we trust. Surely you deliver us from the fowler's snare and from the noisome pestilence. You cover us with your feathers, and under your wings do we trust. Your truth is our shield and buckler. And so we are not afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor for the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand, but it shall not come near us. Only with our eyes shall we look and see the reward of the wicked because we have made the Lord our refuge, even the most high habitation. No evil will befall us. Neither shall any plague come near our dwelling. For you give your angels charge over us to keep us all our ways. They bear us up in their hands lest we dash a foot against a stone. We tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. We trample underfoot because we have set our love upon you. Therefore, you deliver us. You set us on high because we have known your name. We call upon you and you answer us. You are with us in trouble. You deliver us and honor us. With long life, you satisfy us and show us your salvation. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. And again, remember, if you'd like to get a copy of the Psalm 91 prayer, we're glad to get it to you. Our encouragement is that you pray it absolutely every day for yourself and over your family as well. And we're encouraging you to forward it and share it with any and all the people the Lord places on your heart to share it with as well. The next one is one of the prayer tools we provide. It's a prayer tool entitled Praying Daily for Your Spouse. And, of course, we're praying the one. I'll be praying the one that the husband prays for his wife, obviously. And so we'll be reading the one prayer, but we're encouraging every wife to email us to get a copy for you to pray this prayer for your husband as well. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege of being able to pray this prayer for my wife, Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the gift my wife is to me and to our family and to the church and the kingdom of God. Lord, bless my wife today indeed. Expand her territory. Cause your hand to be mightily upon her. Keep her from evil that she may not cause pain. In Jesus' name, help me this day to be the full blessing to her that you'd have me to be in the name of Jesus. Fill her day with a tremendous portion of joy, peace, grace, and encouragement in the name of Jesus. Help her, to, help her to walk in your love and your joy and your peace today in the name of Jesus. Help her to spend all the time in your word and in prayer that you would have her to spend this day in Jesus' name. 
Help her this day to put you first. Help her, Lord, to make no graven images. Help her to not take your name in vain. Help her, Lord, to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Help her, Lord, to honor her father and her mother. Help her to not murder. Help her to not commit adultery. Help her to not steal. Help her to tell the truth. Help her to not covet. In Jesus' name we do pray. And, Lord, empower her this day to put on the full armor of God and empower this day to fulfill all the call of God upon her life in the name of Jesus. Lord, help her this day to live as the living sacrifice you would have her to be and help her to fully fulfill all the call of God upon her life and your full will for her this day in Jesus' name. We thank you and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. And once again, if you'd like to get a copy of the prayer to pray for your spouse, praying for your spouse daily, Simply email us, joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. And it's a copy of the prayer the husband prays for his wife and then the prayer the wife prays for her husband as well. The following is an article we want to share with you entitled, God's Word, Three Chapters a Day. Psalm 119, verse 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Again, Psalm 119, verse 105. Then saw, uh, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12, practicing daily spiritual habits are necessary in our daily walk with the Lord. Why? because followers of Christ are to be passionately faithful. In life, we form habits to help us consistently do things that are important to us, habits that help us accomplish the goals we believe are critical to our lives. I regularly encourage believers to set a goal of reading at least three chapters in God's Word every day in their lives. This habit is one of the most important to establish in their life. Why three chapters a day and why every day? If a believer reads three chapters in the Word of God every day, that can be a basic spiritual meal for their spirit. It might be that you read the same chapter three times over, or you may, th or you may read three different chapters. Doing either is very fruitful and wise. How is this helpful? The Word of God is Jesus, and Jesus is the Word of God. So when you're reading the Word of God, it's one-on-one -on -one time talking and spending time with the Lord Jesus. It's your daily appointment time with him. The Lord Jesus will spend as much time with you as you will spend with him in his word. It's important for us to read the word of God every single day. Just as our bodies need physical food every day, so too must we feed our spirits every day. God's word is food for our spirits like physical food is for our physical bodies. Feeding your physical body every day can help you be strong, vibrant, and healthy. Feeding your spirit the Word of God daily can help you to be strong, vibrant, and spiritually healthy. Now, if a man or woman only ate a small snack once every other day, very soon he or she would grow physically weak. Likewise, when a believer only reads a verse or two from the Word of God every day or every other day, he or she will be spiritually weak. Sadly, it appears that too many believers live on what you might call a quote-unquote starvation diet spiritually. It's spiritual neglect. Too many believers may not even pick up a Bible for days. It's for this reason that many believers are spiritually anemic, spiritually weak, and frail. 
My suggestion to you is today, start the habit of reading at least three chapters in your Bible every single day. It's a way of blessing and rewarding yourself. See Genesis 15.1 and Psalm 1. Why not start rewarding yourself today? Here are 10 great reasons to read God's Word every single day. Number one, it tells you genuinely how to be saved and how to grow up in your faith. See John 3.16, Psalm 119, verse 105, Romans 12, 1 through 2, and Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Number two, it gives you clear guidance and direction for your life. See Psalm 119, verse 105, and 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17. A third reason to read the Word daily is it empowers your prayer life. See Philippians 4, 6 through 7. A fourth reason to read the Word daily, it sharpens your ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit more and more clearly in your life. See 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5. A fifth reason to read God's Word daily, it ministers to your mind, body, and spirit. See Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. A sixth reason to read God's Word daily, it helps you maintain your mental health. A seventh reason to read God's Word daily is it increases God's anointing on every part of your life. And an eighth reason to read God's Word daily, it increases your wisdom in every area of your life. See Proverbs 1 through 3. A ninth reason to read God's Word daily is it enhances your intellect and personality. It literally can increase your IQ. See 1 Corinthians 1, 5. And a tenth reason to read God's Word daily, it pours grace, peace, mercy, and joy into your spirit, your mind, and your life. See 2 Corinthians 1, 2. 1 Timothy 1, 2, 2 Timothy 1, 2, and Galatians 5, 22. Reading three chapters a day in the Word of God will bless you tremendously. Let's make it a high priority. And parents, we are wise to have our children read three chapters out loud to each of us every day. It also will greatly bless them, bless you and your home. Again, the title of that article, God's Word, Three Chapters a Day. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. So today is a good day. If you don't already have the habit of reading three chapters at least in your Bible every day, today is a great day to start that important habit. We'll be right back to do Reading Through the Word of God.
Music of Phillips, Craig, and Dean with the Revelation song. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced with joy, with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said? They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands? Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand, and he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But David escaped him twice. Saul was then, Saul was then afraid of David, for the Lord was with David and had turned away from Saul. Finally, Saul sent him away and appointed him commander over 1,000 men, and David faithfully led his troops into battle. David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. When Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he was so successful at leading his troops into battle. One day Saul said to David, I'm ready to give you my older daughter Mirab as your wife. But first you must prove yourself to be a real warrior by fighting the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, I'll send him out against the Philistines and let them kill him rather than doing it myself. Who am I and what is my family in Israel that I should be the king's son-in-law? David exclaimed, My father's family is nothing. So when the time came for Saul to give his daughter Mirab in marriage to David, he gave her instead to Adriel, a man from Meholah. In the meantime, Saul's daughter Michael had fallen in love with David, and Saul was delighted when he heard about it. Here's another chance to see him killed 
by the Philistines, Saul said to himself. But to David he said, Today you have a second chance to become my son-in-law. Then Saul told his men to say to David, The king really likes you, and so do we. Why don't you accept the king's offer and become his son-in-law? When Saul's men said these things to David, he replied, How can a poor man from a humble family afford the bride price for the daughter of a king? When Saul's men reported this back to the king, he told them, Tell David that all I want for the bride price is 100, 100 Philistine foreskins. Vengeance on my enemies is all I really want. But what's but what Saul had in mind was that David would be killed in the fight. David was delighted to accept the offer. Before, before the time limit expired, he and his men went out and killed 200 Philistines. Then David, then David fulfilled the king's requirement by presenting all their foreskins to him. So Saul gave his daughter Michael to David to be his wife. When Saul realized that the Lord was with David and how much his daughter Michael loved him, Saul became even more afraid of him, and he remained David's enemy for the rest of his life. Every time the commanders of the Philistines attacked, David was more successful against them than all the rest of Saul's officers. So David's name became very famous. 1 Samuel chapter 19. Saul now urged his servants and his son Jonathan to assassinate David. But Jonathan, because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning. Tomorrow morning, he warned him, you must find a hiding place out in the fields. I'll ask my father to go out there with me and I'll talk to him about you. Then I'll tell you everything I can find out. The next morning, Jonathan spoke with his father about David, saying many good things about him. The king must not sin against his servant David, Jonathan said. He's never done anything to harm you. He has always helped you in any way he could. Have you forgotten about the time he risked his life to kill the Philistine giant and how the Lord brought a great victory to all Israel as a result? You were certainly happy about it then. Why should you murder an innocent man like David? There is no reason for it at all. So Saul listened to Jonathan and vowed, as, sure, as surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed. Afterward, Jonathan called David and told him what had happened. Then he brought David to Saul and David served in the court as before. War broke out again after that, and David led his troops against the Philistines. He attacked them with such fury that they all ran away. But one day, when Saul was sitting at home with spear in hand, the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him again. As David played his harp, Saul hurled his spear at David. But David dodged out of the way, and leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. Then Saul sent troops to watch David's house. They were told to kill David when he came out the next morning. But Michal, David's wife, warned him, 
If you don't escape tonight, you will be dead by morning. So she helped him climb out through a window, and he fled and escaped. Then she took an idol and put it in his bed, covered it with blankets, and put a custom and put a cushion of goat's hair on its head. Then the troops came to when the troops came to arrest David, she told them he was sick and couldn't get out of bed. But Saul sent the troops back to get David. He ordered, "Bring him to me in his bed so I can kill him." But when they came to carry David out, they discovered that it was only an idol in the bed with a cushion of goat's hair at its head. Why have you betrayed me like this and let my enemy escape? Saul demanded of Michael. I had to, Michael replied. He threatened to kill me if I didn't help him. So David escaped and went to Ramah to see Samuel, and he told him all that Saul had done to him. Then Samuel took David with him to live at Naioth. When the report reached Saul that David was at Naioth in Ramah, He sent troops to capture him, but when they arrived and saw Samuel leading a group of prophets who were prophesying, the spirit of God came upon Saul's men, and they also began to prophesy. When Saul heard what had happened, he sent other troops, but they too prophesied. The same thing happened a third time. Finally, Saul himself went to Ramah and arrived at the great well in. Sekiu, where are Samuel and David? He demanded. They are at Naioth in Ramah. Someone told him, but on the way to Naioth in Ramah, the Spirit of God came even upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy all the way to Naioth. He tore off his clothes and lay naked on the ground all day and all night, prophesying in the presence of Samuel. The people who were watching exclaimed, "What is even Saul a prophet?" First Samuel chapter twenty. David now fled from Naioth in Ramah and found Jonathan. "What have I done?" he exclaimed. "What is my crime? How have I offended your father that he is so de- that he is so determined to kill me?" "That's not true," Jonathan protested. You're not going to die. He always tells me everything he's going to do, even the little things. I know my father wouldn't hide something like this from me. It just isn't so. Then David took an oath before Jonathan and said, "Your father knows perfectly well about our friendship, so he has said to himself, 'I won't tell Jonathan. Why should I hurt him?'" But I swear to you that I am only a step away from death. I swear it by the Lord and by your own soul. Tell me what I can do to help you," Jonathan exclaimed. David replied, "Tomorrow we celebrate the New Moon Festival. I've always eaten with the king on this occasion, but tomorrow I'll hide in the field and stay there until the evening of the third day. If your father asks where I am," Tell him I asked permission to go to Bethlehem for an annual family sacrifice. If he says fine, you will know all is well. But if he is angry and loses his temper, 
you will know he is determined to kill me. Show me this loyalty as my sworn friend, for we made a solemn pact before the Lord, or kill me yourself if I have sinned against your father, but please don't betray me to him. Never, Jonathan exclaimed, you know that if I had the slightest notion my father was planning to kill you, I would tell you at once. Then David asked, How will I know whether or not your father is angry? Come out to the field with me, Jonathan replied. And they went out there together. Then Jonathan told David, I promise by the Lord, the God of Israel, that by this time tomorrow or the next day at the latest, I will talk to my father and let you know at once how he feels about you. If he speaks favorably about you, I will let you know. But if he is angry and wants you killed, may the Lord strike me and even kill me if I don't warn you so you can escape and live. May the Lord be with you as he used to be with my father. And may you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, treat my family with this faithful love, even when the Lord destroys all your enemies from the face from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a solemn pact with David, saying, May the Lord destroy all your enemies. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again, for Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. Then Jonathan said, Tomorrow we celebrate the New Moon Festival. You will be missed when your place at the table is empty. The day after tomorrow, toward evening, go to the place where you hid before. Verses 1 through 18, 1 Samuel chapter 20. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we're reading through the Word of God. We'll be right back.
music from the group Mosaic with Tremble. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the New Testament, the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him, now we call Him Abba, Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since We are his children. We are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected 
to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's creation, when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, He called them to come to Him. And having called them, He gave them right standing with Himself. And having given them right standing, He gave them His glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute? or in danger, or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, As for your sakes, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelmingly, victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angel nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us 
from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romans chapter 9. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter, utter truthfulness, my conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. Well, of course, we'll just plan to pick up there next time. Thank you, Father, again for your word. Thank you for the fact that your word is a gift to us. Your word ministers to our mind, body, and spirit every single day. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who helps us understand your word, who interprets your word, and who empowers us with your word day by day. Thank you, Lord, for every uh, man and every servant of God that's listening. Thank you for every woman that's listening. Thank you for every father and every mother that's listening today. Thank you for every boy, every girl that's listening today. Father, anoint us all afresh with the spirit of prayer. More and more empower us to be the praying church, the praying believers you called us to be. Help us to recognize, Lord, that there's so much that you will accomplish through us as we give ourselves to pray. To pray. Help us to live lives faithfully given to prayer every single day and empower us more and more to be faithfully lifting up the needs, the concerns, the challenges that we see in our lives and in our world. Father, once again, thank you for the nation of Israel, and thank you for your hand of grace upon it. Pour out your spirit, mercy, and light upon Israel in much greater measure in the name of Jesus. Send forth many more laborers into the nation of Israel who will proclaim the gospel and let them know that the Lord Jesus Christ is their Messiah, that he is the Messiah for all the world. And more and more, send forth even more laborers into the nation of Israel. Flood Israel and flood all of the Mideast with your light, your joy, your peace, your grace, and your mercy. In Jesus' name, Father, thank you for all the nations in the Middle East. Send forth many more laborers into all those nations who will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ so that the individuals, Jews, and all the rest will come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. And help us as the church to be faithfully praying and interceding for Israel and all the nations in the Middle East. Flood the Middle East with your peace, with your light, your grace, and your mercy, and your goodness in Jesus' name. And Father, help us as the church to recognize, Lord, that it's critical that we're accomplishing your work and building your kingdom daily, largely through the prayers that we pray. Thank you for the church. Thank you for us as the church, and thank you for us as a nation, Lord. More and more empower us to be the church of the nation. You've called us to be in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession as we've been reading through the Word of God today. If you are listening today and you've never made the eternally important decision of asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be the Lord and Savior of your life, today is a good day, a great day to be saved. If you want to be saved, if you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior today, would you simply from your heart pray this prayer with me even now? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for all my sins and all the wrongs I've ever done. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In the word of God, you told us 
Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, today I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're very much wanting to connect with you and be in touch. Once again, my email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We would like to share with you some literature and resources that will help you to begin to grow up and grow strong in your new walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you, again, get in touch with us again, that email joseph at afr.net. We hope to hear from you. Once again, if also, if you'd like to get copies of the articles we shared earlier, the one praying daily for your spouse, or the article, God's Word, three chapters a day, simply email us, same email, joseph at afr.net. We'll be glad to share both or either article with each one that inquires. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.